Hey, it's BT with Tales from Virginia, and my guest today is Michael Carrera. He is the owner of SouthFloridaMiniGP.com. It's uh, the grassroots of road racing in America, and it's he's starting to see the fruits of, of his labor. He's had his first ever champion in the in the Mini Cup uh, at Moto America, and what he's planning with this organization is to take it to the top. And you're going to listen to him uh, his plans. It's funny, it's it's informative, and we have a lot of fun. And I think you're going to enjoy it. So, Michael Carrera. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. When you hear that music, you know what that means. My favorite time is the right time. And the right time is when I do Tales from a Gemini. And when I have a guest on, like the one I have on today, well, shh. Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. And I love all my guests. All of them. No one is greater than the other, whatever. I anytime, Any person who takes time to talk to me. I, I just love him. I really do. This guy here, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb and say this because I was looking you up yesterday. You might be at this moment. I'm gonna say the third most important important person in the United States for motorcycle racing. You stand on the precipice of turning this thing around, and I mean it from the Ooh. bottom of my heart. No, you stand on the precipice of turning American motorcycle racing around. What you're doing is not to be understated. I mean, it's fun, it's affordable, it's, it brings the family together, and you are producing champion, your first champion who graduated from your academy, Avery Dreyer. I can't read our junior college. Dreyer, Dreyer. Thank you. A Avery Dreyer, who won a junior cup in Moto America, the first SFL mini GP graduate to do that. Man, you're killing, you're kicking ass. Folks, this is Michael Carrera, the CEO, the owner of South Florida Mini GP. Michael, how you doing, bro? Man, how do I follow that up? You've got me blushing. You've got me smiling. That is one heck of an introduction, dude. I really appreciate it. But it's the truth, man. You are killing it. I mean, here's been something that you said that made me go, yes. It's like more people should hear and should know this. When you show up at motorcycle events, people should know you, and they don't. And that's what makes it sad for me. Because if you look at, you know, I, I like to look forward, like to be a progressive thinker. But, you know, you see the old film clips, man, of of, of what motorcycle racing, the AMA, Ben Spees yeah. and and Maladin going at it and Nikki Hayden and, and you know, the stand just overflowing and just, I mean, motorcycle racing was at its peak. And then you see, you know, like about five, six years ago, it was just horrible. And now we're starting to, I feel like, like I said, I mean it from the bottom of my heart, you are on the precipice I think with what you're doing, you're the greatest thing to come out of that crazy ass state of Florida. Trust me, you're the greatest thing to come out of that state. You are. It goes you and then uh, the cocaine trade. But I, but uh, but it goes. But it goes. But I, but I really think what you're doing is not to be understated because you live in a state where the the, the temperature, I mean, the, the weather's great. It's comparable Phenomenal. to other places. And so yep. you can train year round. And like I said, you make it affordable and it's family. I mean, no matter what you say about the, how the world is today, whatever, we're not going to get into that. But man, I've never ever ever had a bad experience at a motorcycle track everybody is so giving with their time and just help and i want to know where did it start for you and i'm talking for you personally not your kid we'll get into that later yep. but yep. where did it stop for you personally 
Man, I, I so I grew up in a household with a single mom and a younger brother. It was just the three of us. And Where? I've always been the adrenaline junkie in New Jersey. I was born and raised in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Okay. Uh, 1983, dating oh. myself. Now I'll be 40 this year. Let's not even get into that. You know what's funny is that you could be my kid. I mean, I'm, I'm way older than you. Man, I, I, right, man, I can stop this podcast and say, hey, go to bed. And you go, okay, okay, black stepdad, and you go to bed. And I was taught to listen to my elders, so I would absolutely do so. <laughs> mama, mama taught me right, that's for sure. Mama taught me right. <laughs> but yeah, man, I've, I've always been the adrenaline junkie in the family. Um, my mom worked really, really hard, two, three, four jobs at a time to get two young boys in you know the era of the late 80s, early 90s down the right track. You know, I, I fell off the tracks a couple of times, like any young, you know, growing adult does trying to figure out his path. And I've always been an adrenaline junkie. Motorcycles always attracted me. And when I turned 18, I had my first job. I had some cash in my pocket. One of my neighbors was selling a uh, Triumph 900. It was a Triumph Tiger 900. Oh, yes. And I had, I think it was like 1200 bucks at the time. And I said, Oh, I think I've got that right now. I'm getting paid this week. I bought the bike, I brought it home, and there was nothing my mom could say. She was like, well, it was your money, it's here, just be safe. And it started with that and gradually got into sport bikes and started, I never really did any major racing. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it was Motard racing, Supermoto, but for the most part, it was riding on the streets and hanging out and having fun with my friends with bikes. Um, met my wife at a nightclub in New York City, uh, hung out for a while, built that relationship, had our first son. Um, and as he started getting older, I, I would go to the races. They were AMA races at that time at New Jersey Motorsports Park with my, with my younger brother. We would ride our bikes down there and hang out for, for the day and watch the races. I finally got to take Julian with me. And at one of those New Jersey mini GP was holding, was, you know, in a bunch of cones and a tent and some bikes and they were kind of displaying what they were doing. And we got to meet those guys, Ryan Fleming and Nathan Granoff, got to meet them, got to chatting. A month later, Julian was on his first dirt bike with his first gear on, and the rest is history, man. It just it started growing from there. I got a job offer down in Florida. I came down first before the family did. Um, there was nothing down here for kids. There was no racing, and Julian had just started with New Jersey Mini GP, so we were addicted. And at that point, I there was a lot more tracks down here in um, in 2014, 2015 when I came down. And I started calling tracks, started making connections, started making contracts. SFL Mini GP was created in November of 2015. I started with 250s, a Honda Ridgeline, and a U-Haul rental trailer. And now, seven years later, I've got a 34-foot trailer with 20 bikes in it. I've got suits of all different sizes. I've got helmets. I've got gear. We've got a fantastic coaching Uh system we've got a great bunch of volunteers and we've got our first national champion so there it is cliff notes of how i started and how we got to today you skipped a lot i'm sure you went to jail in a couple of those stories but we won't oh, get into that oh yeah my kids don't even know those stories yet and if you invite my wife she will rat me out so do not invite my wife on those let me tell you something man your son is just a man what a great kid that guy you know I, when i was at silverstone i made it a point to you know look him up look him up and what just a just outstanding young man he was. Like I, 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 
I had to I had to purposely not go over there because I you know I don't want because I know they're trying to get ready mentally, and I'm the biggest dork in the world. I'll be like, oh my god, can I help you? I mean, so and the funny thing about it, I swear to God, okay, I was finishing up. I think it was I think it was after the sprint race, and those guys were gonna go out. Your yep. son was so they're getting ready to go do their their I don't know if they're their, their practice or qualifying. They're all lined up. And I swear to God, I'm, I'm backing up, just kind of looking at those guys. Who got, you know, I'm trying to get their heads right. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to talk to them because I'm looking for your son. And I, and, I, and I almost fell, and I had to look a fear in my eye. And I, and I went back like this, and my arms went like, like that. And all those kids for a brief second looked at me like, are you okay? And I go, man, I felt like the biggest idiot. <laughs> I mean, they're trying to get their game face on, and they, you see me going, whoa! And I went like that, and they all go, are you okay, Mike? And I go, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's funny now, but you should have seen my face. I, I didn't know there was oh, a curve. Yeah. I didn't know there was a curve, there was a curve there. <laughs> You're probably the color of your t-shirt by the time you were done. <laughs> Man, you should have seen all those kids. They looked at me like, are you serious? What's wrong with him? It was the greatest. But I went upstairs and I watched your son race. And man, I was just, I mean, the, the, just the, I know him. I know his father. and I was rooting for him. And it was great because I went down. I think before, I think after the, no, yeah, after that first race, because something happened. I remember watching uh, the guy talk to him and he came over and we spoke and he was just so well-spoken and just so like, I just really, really, man, you're doing a tremendous job with that young man. I I appreciate it. I appreciate it. A lot of, a lot of the stuff that my mom instilled in me as being a young man and, and growing up and being a gentleman, I try to instill not only in my kids, but in the organization and and how I want them to represent. Cause like you said, you know, we've, we've managed to build a logo. We've managed to build some sort of a reputation where, you know, when you know a mini GP kid is showing up to a track, you know, you know, that kid's there to be business and they're going to train and they're going to work and they're going to win. And I, I need those kids to represent well, because whether they make it in the motorcycling world or not, they're going to need it in their personal world. They're going to need it in the business world. They're going to need it in their family world. And if you've got good roots and you've got, you know, other adults around you showing you what it's like to be a proper adult, you know, it goes a long way. Well, I think just your background, period. People, they, they can't fade you on your background. Like I said, single mother, right? So you know what it's like to work hard and watch yeah. somebody work hard and, and the fruits of your labor from just working yeah. hard. And you were an athlete too, so you know how to put the work in. You put the work in, you're going to see results. Like, yeah. so I know yeah. you were a Division One soccer player. I was, yeah, I was, I was actually the first. So my mom is adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, she was raised by a fairly wealthy family in Colombia. But again, we don't know a lot of her background. She was an, an adopted child. Um, and I was actually the first uh, person to go to high school, first person to go to a university. You know, I have my master's, I have an MBA, so I've gone through the whole program. And yeah, I played uh, varsity ball for Union High School. And from there, my coach got me tied in with Rutgers and Rutgers has a sister school, which is an engineering school, New Jersey Institute of Technology. I've always wanted to be in engineering and construction. And I ended up playing D1 ball all four years with them under uh, coach Pedro Lopes and Javier Velasco. So I, I've got quite the quite the background on the soccer, a lot more soccer privilege than I did motorcycling. But yeah, soccer was my first passion and it was a sport I did for a very, very long time. I was really good at it. Um, junior year, I was 17 turning 18 that year, NCAA tournament against Oneonta. We were in the semifinals. Um, I had just finished meeting with the management team at the New York Red Bulls, which is what they were called at the time. It was actually Metro city Red Bulls is what they were called at the time in the MLS. 
I was going to be the youngest guy signed um, by a professional soccer team in the USA. And I destroyed my MCL and my ACL in that NCAA tournament. I became a liability. It took me a year and a half to finally gain full strength in my knee. And by that time, a lot of things had happened. A lot of things had passed and I just couldn't recover. And that's where my soccer career ended. But it was it was a good career until then. It was was a really, really good career until then. Did, 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 uh, Did you cry? I cried a lot. I cried a lot. My mom cried a lot. She thought she had failed me as a mom. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's part of the sport. And, and I try to instill that in a lot of our riders too. I go, the sports are fun. Sports are great. You always want to aim high. You want to have high goals, but at the end of the day, in a split second, you can, you can get injured and and it could hurt a lot of your you know ability to become a professional and make a life out of it. So that was my professional route, you know, not mistake, but scary story on my end. And even till this day, my, my knees aren't a hundred percent. It's an injury that's lasted, you know, my whole life and I'll probably be dealing with it the rest of my life, but it's, it, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it any other way. I would do it the same path. I would work just as hard. I would push just as hard. And if that's how it ended again, then that's the way it would end. But you know, it's, it's just part of it. It's, it's how it goes. How come you don't, uh, 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 inspirational speaker, because that's a great story because I mean, it really is. You, you turn lemons into lemonade is what you did. I mean, you had to go. So no matter what a kid says, you say, look, you know, you show him the scar on your knee. That's what my football coach did to me. He lifted up his shirt and said, it was a big scar that went all the way the length of his stomach and said, this is what happens if you don't block right. This is what happens if, and I was like, Oh, I gotta do this right. And you're a perfect example of, Hey man, Injuries happen. You're gonna get depressed, but you know what? You're gonna come out the other side. It's about attitude. I mean, you are you are a perfect walking inspiration to these kids, man. For what you're doing, you really should you you should share your story more. I, I appreciate it. Actually, you're I, I'm I, I'm starting to enjoy. I I don't mind public speaking. I like. To, I just really don't have the opportunities to, or I don't know the avenues to. So I mean, you're you're the second podcast I put together, and I'm getting better. Uh, Ursel kind of my coach on how to speak and and how to get a lot of the information out. So I've got my notes and stuff of, of what I want to talk about and, and what I want to get out of the podcast and stuff. But yeah, I, I don't really I don't create the avenues to actually talk more. And, and that's more on my end. And I think a lot of that falls on SFL Mini GP not being as much known. Yeah, I mess with the social media. Yeah, I try to post a lot and get the information out. But I, I don't quite understand all the different avenues and routes and ways to get more information out to more people. And, you know, a lot of that falls on me. But, you know, having a full time job, having a family and running SFL may sound like an excuse. But at, at the end of the day, there's only 24 hours in a day and I'm trying to make the most of them as I can. No, Mike, that is an excuse. And you know better. OK, I'm going to be your coach so you can be the coach. Right. I'm going to be your coach. That is an excuse. You can do better than that, You're Mike. Right. OK, and break. But you sure you really <laughs> should. I mean, it's a great story. And I, I know you probably went over this before, but, you know, get a young college uh, high school kid. High school ain't doing shit anyway. Right. And float him, float him a hundred dollars. Like, say, listen, here's what I need to do. I need to, fl- you know, just flood social media with this. Go to all the sites. Give him some stickers. I don't know. Give him some. I don't know. You're, you're in the South. Waffle House uh, yeah. coupons, you know, whatever, you know, help. It, so they can help you out. Get on social media. Get your presence known. Because what you're doing is this is where I don't know why. Moto America hasn't really. Em- I, I don't. I, I don't know that. I'm speaking out of my ass. Me, you can help me out. Uh, but are they embracing you? Because what you're bringing up is you're bringing up th- their future. Is what you're doing. If, if I'm going to be 110 percent honest with you, I don't even think Moto America knows who we are. 
um, which is sad on its own. I've, I've been in meetings early on when, when the Ovali Mini Cup started, where uh, the executives at Motor America thought these kids were just parents buying them these expensive motorcycles. And all of a sudden they showed up and they were going fast and dragging knees. Like they had no idea that our school even exists. And we're up and down the entire you know East Coast from New Jersey, New York, Delaware, Virginia, Maryland, down to us here in Florida, Georgia and South Carolina. So we're all over the East Coast. And I don't think Motor America even knows who we are to be honest with you. I think it's a damn shame. I mean, it really is. And for Wayne Rainey, and listen, for what they're doing, I have to give them credit for that Build Train Race program, which I think is great. I think it's awesome what they're doing because, I mean, everybody wants to race against the best, but having women there and they're supporting, that's one of the few times you see women supporting women. They're not backstabbing. They're all in it together and they're helping. I think that's a great program. And also the Bagger Series, that is... I think that right there is you. They're gonna take that overseas, and I'm yeah, gonna, yeah. And that that's incredible. So what they should do is embrace you. You should talk to Wayne. He being a racer himself, you know, it starts at the bottom level. You get these kids addicted. I mean, it's like it's like soccer everywhere else in the, in the world yeah. except for America. I mean, yeah. it's it's in their blood. They bleed that shit. That's exactly. that's why they exactly. win the World Cup. So if they can start at a lower level, like what you're doing now, it's like I said, it's in Florida. You have an academy. You get some land, yeah. like 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 the motocross guys do. You know, like like James Stewart does. He has a, and and have them go down there and have an academy. You are sitting on a, a, a oh man, it would be mine. amazing. And here to blow your mind even further, the champion of this year's Bill Train Race, Michaela Moore, yes. is a Mini GP alumni. I had her on the show because I had nothing but champions on here, baby. That's what I have on this show. Champions, CEOs with bum knees. That's what I have on this show. She came She came from the program up north. She was born, bred, and raised in New Jersey Mini GP with my partners up there. She's a Mini GP kid. Brandon Posh, PJ Jacobson, Tyler Scott, uh, T. Hobbs, Gus Rodeo, Joe LaMondri, all of them. They're all Mini GP kids that are actively racing in Motor America. And there's more kids coming. Believe me, there's a lot more kids coming. A lot more. How great is that family? The more fam. I, I mean, I, oh, they're I'm, fantastic. Drill Will is the greatest. God, man, Drill Will is above and beyond. He, you should hear that man coaching at camp. You should really hear that man coaching kids, and they they gravitate to him. They listen to him. If that man told those boys to jump twenty feet in the air, they would jump twenty two feet. I mean, it's he's really has that impact on kids. He's no, really, really- I I had him on the podcast and you're I had and I talked to him and I, you know, read up on him. And after talking to him, I still to this day, it's hard for me to say can't to anything or oh, I'm too. Old. I, I don't all because of him, because he mm-hmm. talked about endless, like you, limitless. It's yeah. everything is limitless. You don't put anything on you and say, you know, I'm too old. I'm too this to that. I do it, and if and if my average speed on biking is down, I go okay. I, what do I got to train to get better? I don't think ah because I'm you know I'm this age, a certain age. You know what I mean? I'm not, like I said, I'm like your dad. I'm like I'm not thinking that way. I'm thinking how do I get better? You know what I mean? What am I doing? What, what, what am I slacking in my training? I don't think that because I'm a little older or whatever. So him, like I said, you two together are just dynamite, man. You guys are the best thing in America. You guys too. I honestly. And words are powerful, man. How you deliver the words, how you approach, how you show the words. It's the same thing happens with kids. When you get a brand new kid come out and you tell them, hey, by the end of the day, you're going to drag a knee. 
their eyes light up and they're like, there's no way I'm going to be dragging any. And you show the, you show them other kids doing it. They're like, nope, there's no way. There's no way. And you just work them through it, work them through it. Man, there's nothing more exciting than seeing a brand new rider show up on the first day dragging me. Forget it. Their mind is just... Dude, I need to learn how to drag a knee. I've taken, I've taken race race courses in Donington, England, uh, New Jersey, uh, New Jersey Sports Park, uh, the Pittsburgh, uh, the Pittsburgh one, uh, in, in Alabama and Barber, and I still haven't dragged a knee, and now it's mental. I don't Man, know. Man, make your way to here. Come down to sunny Florida in January to our three day camp, and I promise you, you will leave that weekend dragging both knees, not just one. Where, where, where in Florida? I, I'm, I'm saying right now. Motorsports Park, January 12th to the 14th. And where exactly in Florida, bro? That is West Central West Florida. So it's I 95 West Coast. You're about 25 minutes from the beach, right off of I 75. Uh, like Nell, Florida, give me north a- of Tampa, about forty-five minutes north of Tampa. Well, why don't you say it that way in the first place instead of doing all these? <laughs> I'm down in Florida. That's why. <laughs> yeah, you're about forty-five minutes north of Tampa. That's where you are. Make it simple. You know, you turn all there these directions go. and shit. What are we in the military? Okay, forty-five <laughs> longitude, twelve, and bingo. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's I'll why- text you a pin. How's that? That's how they do it nowadays. I'll text you a pin. That's why I couldn't be a cop. You know. Okay, 45 degrees. Uh, Where is it at? By the mall. Gotcha. You know what I mean? I, Done. Uh, yeah, yep. there's, there's no way in the world I could get. So that's all you had to say. I do. I <laughs> might do that. I might be. I'm in Florida all the time. Man, I'm going to be in Florida next week. So I just might do that because honestly, it's almost mental now. I want to drag yep, a knee. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to ride a Motard bike. And I want to, I mean, like I said, I don't know if you ever thought about doing your own academy because listen, there you have Rocco's Ranch, which is in Barcelona. I thought of Barcelona. Okay. You have Rossi's Ranch. Yep. So why not have Carrera's Ranch or the SL Mini Jeep? I don't know if you want to put your name on it, but dude, just get some land, buy some land. You're in construction, right? Make some phone calls. You're a CEO. You know, make some phone calls, favors. You know, grease each other's hand, and and get some land. And what you can do is just like from the grassroots up, you can produce more champions and more cha- and have like a little academy from it's, from dirt bikes. Definitely part of my 15 year plan for sure. It is definitely part because I when I started in 2016, I had 12 go-kart tracks that I could run my program through. You want to know how many go-kart tracks are left in Florida today? Two. Wow. Is one in Ocala? Is one in Ocala? Not anymore. What happened? They closed it up. It's now a factory. It's a warehouse district. Warehouses are taking over everything down here. So the only one you've got left is Bushnell, which is the one we just talked about, 45 minutes north of Tampa, and Anderson Race Park, which is about 30 minutes south of St. Pete. That's all that's left. Why is that? That people just it's land is too expensive in Florida. Down in Miami, got turned into an 18-wheeler parking lot. So that got converted. Insurance killed the one down at Homestead. Um, the one in Gainesville is owned by NASCAR. So the insurance there kind of put that one out of, out of, out of reach. And the only other place we get to go to is the Heron compound out in Georgia, which thankfully Josh Heron's parents still own and run. So we're able to use that and they've kept that open, but I've gone from 12 tracks down in Florida. And that was across from North down to South Florida to now only just two. just land land is too expensive. People are, they're building homes and high rises and warehouses. It's just, all, all corporations, all companies, everybody wants to come down to Florida. You know, our tax structures are different down here. The way of life is different down here. The quality of life is different down here. It's just everybody wants a piece of it. And 
uh, in the, even in the town where I live in, where I bought my home, you could pick up an acre of land for sixty, seventy thousand dollars five years ago, six years ago. Today, it's five hundred grand for an acre. So it's just it's it's astronomical the finances of of being able to build a track and do something down here in Florida because even big tracks, Palm Beach International Raceway, historic Moroso Raceway, gone, got sold to Walmart. It's now turned into a warehouse distribution center for Walmart. Uh, Homestead is the only big track you've got left. And again, that's because of NASCAR. It's the only reason why that still exists. Sebring, only reason exists is because of the grand touring cars. So now they only do cars at Sebring. They won't do motorcycles at Sebring because of insurance. Um, And then you've got Jennings GP. Jennings GP is a phenomenal facility, but the city doesn't allow noise. So it's got a noise restriction of only 94 decibels. There's 400s out here that you won't be able to ride on that track because you're above the noise decibel. So it's just they make it impossible. Okay, so they have a decibel level. uh, Okay, but it's in Gainesville, right? It's in Gainesville. It's yeah, it's northwest of Gainesville. It's close. It's right next to the Florida Georgia line. You're two exits from Georgia. So if you guys wanted to be jerks about it, couldn't you say, hey, during uh, the games, uh, what's the decibel level at the football games? At the oh, you could absolutely you could, but since it's motorcycles, like nope. But now, don't you find that, honestly, and I say this, it's another reason I say that if if you look at it, we all know, you take MotoGP and Formula One, the best racing is a MotoGP. But Formula One gets always gets going to be the credit. And and I think it it boils down to, and if you simplify everything, take away everything else, motorcycles will always have that that outlaw element to it. Always. always. And people always. always look at it as like with Marlon Brando and the wild ones. They look at it. Yep. That's who they are. They're always those are the rebels. You know, people always yep. have a exactly. a weird feeling about motorcycles. You know, you, you see it in their eyes. Sometimes, I mean, it, it's a gift and a curse. Sometimes, man, you have the greatest conversation with people you wouldn't even yep. normally think you would talk to. And they just want to know about b- bikes. You know, the guy that used to ride. Now he looks at exactly. your bike. And you, you see the yearning in his eyes, you know. And and you talk to him but probably 30 minutes longer than you would normally talk to him. And But there's also people who, you know, when you pass them on the road, you see that look in their eye like, ah, oh, fuck that guy or whatever. And it's like, it, it, and, and I think it boils down to just in society also when it comes to racetracks or whatever. They always look at motorcycles different than they look at cars. Oh, 110%, 110%. And a lot of the East Coast is flooded with a lot of different track day organizations. Some of them run better than others. But, you know, every time you have a death at a racetrack, that's going to push your insurance up. That's going to push your liabilities up and just makes it that much more and more expensive to be able to hold an event and have people show up. Because, you know, back in the day, even three years ago, pre-COVID, you know, you were paying 150, 160 bucks to go do a track day and you were riding all day long. Now you're 275, 280 for a track day. And it just it hurts. It hurts the attendance. It, it hurts the quality. Just it, it hurts everything all around, because as an organizer, you're not only trying to bring people in with your marketing, but now you got to convince the insurance companies that you're a professionally run organization, that you're going to take care of everybody and you're not going to cost them a money money. And then you have to also convince the owners of the track that, hey, we're not hooligans. We're not crazy people. We're trying to instruct and show people how to do this safely in a safe environment. It's it's tough all the way around to have those conversations. It just it just is because of how people see motorcycles. It's the hooligans, it's the bad boys, it's the crazy ones. And, you know, it's uh, until we're able to swap that mentality, because in in Europe, you tell, you know, those guys are hopping on motorcycles as a holiday. Like it's an adventure. They're going out. They're going to have a blast. They're going to have an entire 
different atmosphere of what they do when they hop on those bikes and go to the tracks. And most of the time you see more motorcycles in the parking lot at the track than you do cars or anything else. Yes. It's a holiday for them. That I mean, and they and they ride the right way. They're all in leathers. They're all, you know, and it, covered, it's, protected. Yep, it's beautiful over there how they ride. I, I love it. I just remember I got I don't know if I got stopped by a cop, whatever, but it's when I was over there for my celebrate my my fiftieth, and uh, and the cop was like, "So you know you're on a motorcycle, right?" Because I had my I had my jacket on and I had my gloves and everything. I just didn't have uh, leather pants. And, you know, and he looked at me like, you know, you're on a motorcycle, right? And I go, yeah. And I mean, he was kind of like being facetious. And yeah. I kind of liked that he was like that because in America, they wouldn't have said shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you see people with helmet laws, whatever. some guys with no helmets and it's whatever, whatever. But it's like, really, bro? And that's why I love it. over there. Like I said, it's part of their DNA. Yep. You know, and, but, yeah, but it's, it's a way out. And a lot of it for the kids and the families, it's a way out for them, too. Just like some like in South America, soccer, baseball, it's a way out for them. It's a way out for them to create a future for themselves. That's how a lot of these racers look at it in Europe, too. It's it's a way out for them. Here in America, it's treated as an expensive hobby. It's not a professional sport. It's not a method of you making big bucks here in America. And that makes it tough to sell also. It makes it real tough to sell. I mean, the same thing. It's in, in, in the same breath, you know, look at motorcycles going in and out of traffic. Okay, yeah, okay, I'll give you that. But at the same time, it's not like cars don't do the same. It's not no, like, absolutely. It's not like the guy in the Mustang that, nope. you know, and nope. they go zooming down. But but for some reason, they don't get the same. You know, they don't look at them the same as the motorcycle, at the hooligans and the motorcycles. Yeah, I agree. I agree. One hundred and ten percent. I agree. Now, what made you? Because I know in two thousand fifteen, that's when you that's when you founded SFL Mini GP. What made you do that? Like, say, okay, uh, instead of being like. You know, the the father watching his son at yeah, practice, yeah. you decide, you know what, damn it, I'm going to be the coach. So what made you do that? So I, I when I got down here in Florida, I got down here before the family did. And I started asking questions. I started going to the go-kart tracks because that's what I knew in New Jersey. It was the go-kart track in New Jersey allowed motorcycles on it. So I started going to all the local go-kart tracks and they were like, nope, we don't have anybody riding motorcycles. Nobody comes out riding motorcycles. There was one organization that did Motard racing, which is on the Supermotos. There were 305 Motard. So I finally got connected with them and they were only holding races. So again, it wasn't very instructional. It wasn't tailored towards kids at all. It was a lot of adults and, and teens riding 450s and racing. So that was their championship. So I got into that championship. I raced in it myself so I can be a part of it. When the family came down, I threw Julian in it so that way he can go out there and ride and get some seat time. And eventually I started building the relationship with the tracks that we went to. And had conversations with the owner of 305. He was kind of towards the later end of, of his wanting to do racing anymore. He was starting to get old already as well. So I ended up taking over his championship and taking over the contracts of the go-kart tracks. And just kind of like you said, CEO style. I started making cold calls, calling every track that there was. I have insurance. I've got people. I've got timing. I've got the, you know, I got the people that want to come and race. Can we use your facility? And that conversation was hard for a long time. It was very difficult because, again, it's that whole, oh, you're bringing what to my track? Bikes are going to ruin my track. You're going to ruin my facility. I'm going to have hooligans here. How am I going to keep them out? And once I brought the kids out and I brought the bikes out and they got to see what we did, they're like, oh, we love what you do. This is amazing. Oh, this is fantastic. How do we get you to come more? And I started going from two events a year to six to 10 to 12 to 15 events a year. And now we're here. So what what caused it, what sparked it was, I couldn't be the father on the sideline watching my kid because there was nowhere to put my kid. So it was either I stepped up and we created this, what we have today, or Julian would be playing different, different sport today or would be doing something totally different because it just, it didn't exist in Florida. 
Man, I I think that's beautiful. I mean, basically, that's how my dad always became coach. You know what I mean? It's like, he's it. like you know, it's like, there's people that don't show up and go, oh, God damn, I got a coach. You know what I mean? Because yeah. yeah. no, no one else steps up, so you stepped up. Now, is there something that you ever seen this? And I, don't, and I don't know how you and Julian get down, but do you have to ask him, like, hey, are you having fun? You know, because I think sometimes that, that, that gets lost sometimes, I think. Once we start, it's almost like when you're, uh, when you're, vocate when your uh, recreation becomes your vocation yeah. you know then yeah. it's a little different so do you yeah. have to stop and say hey son are you having fun so there's there, that, that's a loaded question so when we were started through mini gp and he was racing minis i never had to have that conversation with him i mean it was always dad when are we gonna go riding when are we gonna go riding and it was the same thing with all of them grayson would ride around in his strider i mean he was in 2015 he was two and a half years old at that time. So he had a little strider, a little balance bike, and he would run around and he'd have a fun. My wife was always into dirt bikes. She rode dirt bikes. She grew up on a farm in Hollywood, Florida. So she's been on dirt bikes before. So it was definitely a whole family environment. And we traveled together. We had a blast together. So I never really had to have that conversation with Julian on the minis. Um, this year, him racing professionally abroad is a different setup. Um, you know, I'm not there with him, which is, which makes it that much more difficult because he doesn't have mom and dad there with him. So there are like, you can tell, right. You have your kid, you know, how your kid reacts, you see their body language. And there are times where I have to remind him, Hey, yes, what you're doing right now is a stepping stone to what you want to achieve as a MotoGP rider or wherever you're going to go. Um, but you can't forget that you're here having fun, dude. You're 14 years old traveling the world because you're not traveling a country. You're traveling the world. Realize where you are, right? Take a step back, take a deep breath, realize where you are, soak it in and have a blast. I actually had to have that conversation with him when he was at Silverstone. Um, this was his third year now racing in that MotoGP-esque situation at Silverstone because he did his wall card there two years ago. And I had to remind him, I go, dude, just look around, look where you are, look at who's around you. He goes, yeah, there's a whole lot of people. People know my name now. They're coming to say hi. They want autographs and da, da, da. And it's exciting, but man, I really want to perform for them. I go, Juge, that's fantastic, but relax. <laughs> you're all, Only you're putting that pressure on yourself. Nobody else is giving you pressure. You're the only one putting that pressure on yourself. Take a deep breath, relax, and I promise you it'll all fall into place. And sure enough, it did. He had a fantastic race put a really good chunk of points up on the board and had another really good weekend. Man, um, you said it like before I almost fell, you know, I'm looking at these kids. I'm like these kids, man. And I just, I don't have any kids myself. So that's why it's a little different. Cause I kind of wish I did now. And I, I see these kids and man, they're at that, that stage where like, you know, they're, they're just kind of, their bodies are just kind of a little bit maturing, yep. but they're still at that little that skinny stage and yep. they're, yep. They're, you know, their limbs are like this. And it just touched me so much, man, when they're getting all ready and, and you can see that anticipation. I, I just think it's so beautiful and they don't realize. And I think that's why sometimes you have to say, Hey, look, man, you're traveling the world. I mean, there's people in life who want, who don't get to travel like you're doing. So you're traveling and you're riding a motorcycle. And if you want to break it down say, listen, chicks did this, you know what I mean? <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what I'm just saying? Hey, listen. Yeah, absolutely. You, you're a good looking kid. You ride a motorcycle and you're racing. Chicks dig this, okay? Yeah. And just give yeah. them a laugh and realize what they're doing. And man, that's when it, I, I think that's when they should realize, hey, yeah, having fun. And it, like I said, it's easy for us to say that, but we're not yeah, li- of course. we're not lining up on a grid with kids who will yeah, yeah, that moto GP and they're like, I'm gonna make it. You know what I mean? And, right, right. and they're gonna elbow your kid off into the grass. It's a little so, different. And, and I think it's it's something that I've been adding to our three-day camp with the parents too, because the parents influence is big on the kids yes um and you know being in in this environment and getting to deal with a lot of parents and a lot of racers you get to see all the different levels of of parents where you have the really really calm ones that have no input at all to the ones that are trying to live through their child and are pushing them so hard and just not making it fun so uh, you know i have parents that that'll sit at the racetrack and start creating excuses for whatever reason, you know, the kid may have had a bad session or whatever, and they start creating excuses and without noticing the kids paying attention to you. And now they've already got a reason to tell you why they failed. So if a lot of the information that we provide, especially in this sport, I mean, it's not a team sport. It isn't, it isn't right. It's a team sport off the track because there's a whole lot going on into it. But once that kid's on the starting line, it's just him and his motorcycle or her and her motorcycle. And they need to be able to focus on the fact that, okay, I'm a big part of this. My motorcycle is a big part of this. And there's also a big part where you don't have any control. 90% of the things that could go wrong on a racetrack, you have absolutely no control over. Absolutely none. So why focus on them? Why, why have a parent impose that focus on a child, whether they're starting or they're already in their professional ranks? There's no point. Why think about something you can't control? Now you're nervous. Now you're wondering. Now you're expecting. And you're not really concentrating and focusing on the fun part, which is you're actually on a racetrack going to race. It's supposed to be fun. And, and that's all you should really be focusing on. Is there a fine line, though, with that? Like, like, like you said, you, see, you hear those parents giving excuses and, you know, the kids listen and you want to tell the kid, but the kid's parents are there. So how do you walk? How do you straddle that line? Like, you know, we're so like, I've, yeah, go ahead. That's a great question. No. And and I've had those conversations, you know, sadly enough more than I've wanted to, but um, in really intense situations, I tend to grab the parent and have one-on-one conversation with the parent and kind of bring them back to reality. Um, and then in other aspects, if I feel that the information wasn't grasped by the child, because maybe the parent is doing it the proper way, but maybe not expressing themselves properly. And you can see it in a child. You can see in a kid when they put their head down or their eyes glaze over. So I'll tend to walk over to the kid and just kind of explain what they're doing in a different format. And you'll see them light up a little bit. You'll see them smile and say, oh, okay, now I understand what they're trying to tell me. And then next thing you know, they go out, they click, they do it, and they moved on to the next task. So it's, everyone's different. Everyone talks different. Every relationship is different. You know, my relationship with Julian as a, as a father, coach, mechanic, you know, responsible person that's supposed to be taking care of him and him as a racer has hit snags as it would with any athlete and their parent. I mean, there, there have been where I wasn't communicating in a way that he understood. And thankfully Sean Dylan Kelly came into our lives when he did, because I could sit there and tell Julian, Juge, look, the sky is purple. And be like, no, it's not dad. The sky's yellow. And Sean will come by and be like, man, look at that. The sky is purple today. And Julian will be like, yeah, isn't that a pretty purple <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm sitting right here. Like, I just had this conversation with you. 
And, you know, that they transition and now he's 14, turning 15. So he has hormones and all that other stuff happening. So you just at the end of the day, if I have any anything to tell a parent that wants to enter the sport or is in the sport heavy right now and your kid is going to plateau, it's going to happen. They're going to hit plateaus as they start getting to different levels. Understand the plateau, see the plateau, coach them through the plateau, but you're not on the bike with them. So this isn't your life. This isn't the opportunity for you to live what you wanted to as a child through them because you're going to burn them out. So, and it's not going to be fun for either one of you. You want to have the conversations. There are going to be some hard ones. There are going to be some fun ones. And there's going to be conversations in the middle. But if you have that open communication with them that they can trust and say, you know what, dad, I'm not having fun anymore. I want to go do something else. And Julian knows. Julian, out of all the kids, knows that he can come up to his mom and his dad and say, you know what, guys, I think I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And none of us are going to tell him anything otherwise besides, okay, your decision. We love you. Whatever you want to do, move on. Uh, Grayson, my youngest one, is starting to find what he wants to do now. He's the artistic one in the family. He loves to dance. He loves hip hop. He loves break dancing. I mean, the kid is nasty on a dance floor. And now he has found the love of basketball. So going through the public school system, they get to play basketball. He's got his friends playing basketball. This weekend, we went to his first basketball tryout. He made the team. So he's all hyped and amped up to play basketball. And now we're going to have to have the conversation with him and say, hey, you've got basketball games every single Saturday for the next nine weeks. You've got three waste weekends also coming up in those nine weeks. You're going to have to figure out where you want to go. You want to go to basketball? Or you want to go play ride a motorcycle? So. It happens, dude. I mean, life comes, life brings you all kinds of curves and things. And you just got as a parent, as an athlete's parent, you got to be adjustable and you got to be able to kind of work them through through the decisions they want to make. But at the end of the day, it's their decisions. It's not yours. And but isn't that a great problem to have? The fact is. that you fit your kid. OK, it's either basketball or motorcycles instead of him staying inside or running the streets. You know, yeah. the problem is, all right, is it going to be motorcycles or basketball? That's a great problem because some parents don't have that problem. Some parents are like, where is my kid? Or, oh, God, I got to bail him out of jail. So it's a great. Well, then again, if you're in motorcycles, you don't have pro, you don't have enough money to afford anything. Else. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> you hit it right there. Nail on the head. <laughs> Done. You got it. <laughs> it's the truth we love motorcycles but god damn man so much money has gone into this oh, i don't know how many times man. i should I'd be i should be saving up money and trying to invest and i go oh that arias how much oh you know what i mean it's like okay okay i'm i'm done i'm done all oh, the new dying easy gloves you know what i mean so it's like yeah it's the it's the gift and the curse but speaking of sean dylan kelly is that kid not the greatest Man, we love him. I love him. I love his family. Um, he's he's the one that's paved a lot of the way for what we're doing with Julian now. His dad and I are super, super close. Uh, everything that. I'm experiencing now, Pat and Sean have experienced already. So it's great to have him as a support package and kind of coaches through it. Because, again, I'm I'm lonely in this passageway. There really is no path or direct route to get your kid over to Europe and into, you know, England has the vision track team. So they grab you from little minis, you go from minis to Ovalis to British talent cup, to European, to junior GP, to moto three, there's a path there. You go to Spain, you got Kuna, you got Leopard, you got all those teams that grab kids from five, six years old and go all the way through. We're just a stepping stone. So a lot of this I'm starting to figure out. And man, that family has been instrumental 
in allowing us to get where we got to get to and help us navigate this whole path because or else we'd just be guessing and you know you know how far that gets you well you know what honestly and this is walking on a limb i think maybe you should form a partnership with some of those english teams like with with, with visions doing with you know ogden and and watley maybe have you know kind of like a i i always said maybe for a round or two have british superbikes come over here you know, right. and, and race me at Laguna with Moto America. Because, you know, look, look, the Brits love coming over here. You Absolutely. know, have, have them come over here for, like, like I said, Laguna and maybe another round or whatever. Bring British super bikes over, you know, the super bikes over. And I think I think it'd be a great kind of like a, I don't know, like a switch program. You know, have yeah, Moto America yeah. do a, a round over at, at Donington. I think it would be, I think it'd be great, that little, that, that little synchronicity there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they do it with football. Yes. Football goes out there and holds games in London and God knows what not. It's absolutely. I mean, the more you mix and match and get more people in it, people start talking and people start communicating. People start looking. And that's what you need to get a lot of these companies coming out to, to help and support. Because at the end of the day, it's an expensive sport. It is what it is. And when you don't have the tobacco companies and the alcohol companies in it like you did back in the day, you got to find the funding somewhere else. And there's plenty of money in the USA, plenty of money in those factories. And those companies that that make billions here in America that would love to support, but you got to give them some sort of an ROI. You start bringing British Superbike, you start bringing World Superbike, you do collaborations with Motor America, you put our riders against their riders. Man, you're it's insane. It'd be insane. How about this? Fourth of July, you bring BSB versus Moto America, and the the, the podium placers race against each other. USA yep. versus versus the UK. On the fourth of July, are you serious? Oh, it would be fantastic. Are you, are you serious? Doing that in Texas at the track of the Americas? At Texas, they they love that shit. The winner gets a oh. gun. Winner gets a musket. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> they get a musket and a Davy Crockett hat. I love it. Done. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would be insane, dude. Oh, that place would be insane. That's what they do. Laguna Seca and Texas, especially Fourth of July, Americans would love that shit. So would the Brits. They would love oh. it. Winner take okay. all. You said this. Through. Oh, my God. Done. Done. Let's, I'm telling you, that would blow up. That would absolutely blow up. And, and you know what? And you got it from this podcast right here, pal. Yeah. There it is. Free. Free. Just for you. Take it. <laughs> take it, Mr. Take it. No. Take it. Wayne, take it. Run with it. That, no, you run with it because you got, you got the oomph. Okay? You got the oomph. <laughs> I'm just a facilitator. Okay? You take it and you run with it, bro. But don't forget about me, okay? I, I, I do have to meet Rain at... You know, at some point, because I don't I've never met him personally. So I definitely and I've been to plenty of the Motor America rounds and I haven't had the chance to bump into him and meet him yet. So I, I definitely have to make that happen. I think that's a crime. I mean, for what you're doing, I mean, I'm looking at your website right now and it's I mean, I was blown away when I was doing a little research and I was like, this is what it's about right here, man. I mean, you know, the, you got the kids. I mean. It's it's a family affair. I mean, you can't. And we make it this. easy. We make it easy. I remove all the excuses. Oh well, I don't want to spend a thousand dollars on a kid suit. You don't have to. I got a trailer full of them. Oh well, what if I buy him a bike and he doesn't like it? You don't have to. I got a trailer full of them. Well, I don't know how to teach him. You don't need to know how to teach him. I've got coaches for a hundred and twenty-five bucks. You can show up. You get a motorcycle. You get all the gear. You get coaching, and your kid gets to go out and try a different sport. And if he likes it, I'll help you figure out how to get all set up. Because we have all the avenues. We have all connections. It's easy. I We've literally removed all the excuses. All a parent has to do is A, find us, B, register online, and then C, show up. Everything else just falls into place. I think every now and then what I think you guys should do is, 
bring in like a Ben Spees or a Colin Edwards, you know, to, to, to be there and maybe sign autographs, kiss babies or whatever. Because yeah. they love, I mean, especially Colin Edwards. He's so great with the fans and he's just a funny guy. Have him come in. Maybe get him a couple of drinks so he'll be drunk when he gets there. I mean, he's funny. So have him come in and people, oh, huh? Colin, he'll tell stories. Everybody loves that, man. He'll tell <laughs> some old, old school stories about Rossi or whatever. I yeah, mean, you can't it. beat that. So have him come in, bring back some stars, get, get Kenny Roberts, Colin Edwards, Kenny Roberts Jr. You'll get Ooh. Ben Spees. I mean, at, at different at different places, and have them come in, man. And you make it a, a like an atmosphere, like what uh, what uh, WSBK makes is such a party atmosphere. Have that atmosphere. Maybe have a stunt show also, man. You can't, but just have it as a party because who doesn't love a good party? No, absolutely. We actually two three years now. We had John Hopkins and Roger Hayden at our camp. And they were actually there as physical coaches for our camp, too. And we didn't tell anybody they were coming. It was a surprise for our campers. So if you registered for the camp, you were able to get coached and trained by them. And, man, that was super, super cool. That was super cool. That's what I'm talking. You got to do stuff like that. It's like, hey, a very special guest. And who knows, man? Maybe, who knows down the line, maybe a big, a big, big say, hey, we got a big surprise. Maybe have a raffle to win an Arai helmet or whatever, whatever. And then and maybe have, like, Rossi come in and the kids just, <gasps> You know what I mean? I mean, I'm telling you, man, the, the, the possibilities of all this, maybe have a dirt bike star come in, maybe have James Stewart come in. He I mean, he didn't even do uh, 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 road racing, but have him try out. How great would yeah. that be just to watch James Stewart try and to race? A, and he's a Florida boy, so who That's knows? What I'm he saying. might be easy to get too, yeah. Have him, have Chad Reed, have him and Chad Reed race each other on some fifth or a Motard. I mean, how great would that be just for publicity? Dude, um, it, it's, it. it's endless. Have Ch- Chad Reed, James Stewart, and Ricky Carmichael, have his fat ass get on the bike. Have the, all three of those. Get, <laughs> have, those, have those guys race each other on a motard. I mean, dude, I'm telling you, man, this is what you got to do to think outside the box. And I'm telling you, man, things like this, and they'll be, and somebody will videotape it. I mean, you're like, hey, let's don't record it. But have them record it, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and it'll get out on social media, and then those guys will talk about it. How great would that be? Yeah, that would be fantastic. You're absolutely right. That would be that would be an eye-opener. At that point, if, they, if people still don't know us after that, there's a bigger problem. That's what I'm saying, man. You make it, I mean, pick the pick the event where that, you know, people are going to be there and have those guys come out and try and road race where it's like, you know, like I said, those competitive juices will take over. And plus, oh, yeah. and you know, and Chad Reed has a family and they're doing it. They're, uh, that, uh, they're uh, YouTube, uh, the, the Reeds or whatever. Yep. And if kids try out in, uh, on road racing with their dad too, maybe race their dad. How great would that be with James Stewart there also? Man, oh my God, dude! You you're sitting on a gold mine right now, Mike. I I the potential is there. There's a whole lot of stuff there, and we are we're knocking a lot of doors. We're trying to get a lot of people activated. We're trying to get a lot of things moving. It's just it it doesn't move as quickly as we want it to move. But I mean, a lot of stuff you talked. Arai is a massive sponsor of Mini GP. We've done all kinds of raffles with Arai. We've teamed up with Josh Heron in the past to put money together for his compound and make his compound better. I mean, we're we're trying all different things. It's getting a hold of these people and and having them show the interest. That's definitely the the hard. But we're super excited about it. Like you and I talking about it right now. Um, getting these guys to actually show up and and want to do something, you know, out of the goodness of their heart or find the time to come out and do it is 
is harder than than it should be in in my opinion it is because i mean if somebody said hey actually i i do it now and nobody even knows um the the canadian mini gp supersonic school they reach out to me all the time hey we're trying this hey have you tried that can you help us with this and we actually had one of our racers go up there and race two weekends ago in in their association and you know they're super excited that we were able to help them get off the ground get started I'm not afraid to share my secrets because there aren't any secrets, right? There is no secrets. The more people that I can get following the same pattern and creating the same background and just everyone doing everything the same way, it makes it easy for people to show up. Yes. It, it really, really does. And I I don't hide it. I'm an open book. You can reach me anyway. I answer everything. My wife will even tell you. She yells at me all the time for always being on the phone. But I'm I'm super available. I'm super accessible. And I'm willing to share all the information and everything I've experienced because I want the sport to grow. I want it to be easy for people to join it and show up. And as I reach out to a lot of the different companies and a lot of these pro racers, I reached out to a ton of them. I've even wanted to do stuff. Um, there's another uh, big racer, flat track racer here in Florida. Again, it kind of falls on deaf ears. So I just, it's hard. It's hard to get them to show initiative and, I chalk it up to always worrying about the number one and we can't, it's a sport we're trying to grow and it can't be about just one. It's gotta be about everyone and we all gotta do our part, but it's, it's a lot easier said than done for sure. And it, it, to me, that, that kind of sucks because you would think reaching out, when you reach out to somebody, they should know how hard it is for them when they came up and that who helped them out when they were trying exactly. to come up, who, who was the one that extended that hand and say, all right, you know, Blah, 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 blah. I'll give you a hand. And so I, you never want to forget that. You never want to forget that person who, who who had faith in you and made you go, okay, if they have faith in me, then, you know, I must be on to something. Yep. So that's what sucks about it. But you're in Florida. Have the Canadian have a, a, like, have the Canadians come down in, in, in the wintertime. You know, they want to get yep. out of that, that, that shit And country. they do. They, they come down for our January and February events, and we do stuff together. But, again, it doesn't – I don't know how to get it to spread, right? I don't know how to get it out in uh, – Ursel does a fantastic job with our social media. Yes. He boosts, he boosts stuff. He gets sponsored stuff out for people to be concentrated in Florida and in Georgia. And still, I'll go to racetrack and people have no idea what the symbol is and have no idea what mini GP is. And we're seven years in and I'm still having these. I can understand this conversation in a supermarket. Yeah. I can't understand this conversation at a racetrack. I mean, you should know by now with how widespread we are who mini GP is, what they do, what they provide. And it's not just for kids. I think that's the other concept that gets lost. It's yes. not just for kids. Yeah. So I just, I, I don't know. I don't get it. You know, but never underestimate the stupidity of the average person. Or, you know, I mean, that's just the truth. I yeah. mean, you never take it for granted because sometimes you think, oh, they should know, but they don't. So that's they why don't. sometimes you got to spoon feed people. I mean, that's, that's just the truth in life. Even though we have all this, you know, technology at our hand, I, I could find out something right now with Google. Right? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't do that. Google's listening right now anyway. But I mean, I don't, I don't, <laughs> they're listening right now anyway. So I don't know why I picked up the phone. You're going to have your whole entire news feed is going to be full of mini GP stuff because that's all you're going to be talking about for the next few days. But that's, but that's the way it should be. And, and with, like I said, with Florida, man, it's a gold mine. You're sitting on a gold mine with all these people. I, and it sucks that, that you reach out and it falls on deaf ears. That's what hurts because they, those guys should know that we should grow the sport. It should be, I mean, 
and I sound like an old head right now, but I just, you know, you look at all the old clips of every type of motorcycle racing, and it was standing room only. I mean, you have people yeah. just, I mean, I know you're talking about the, how, you know, in sponsorships, how, you know, which makes me so mad how they don't let uh, the alcohol and the uh, and the tobacco companies advertise. And so basically the energy drinks are the new alcohol and tobacco. Right. But at the same time, it's like, hey, look, that shit's bad for you too. So let those guys advertise. Let, let whoever wants to advertise. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, if Marlboro ever ever called and said, hey, we want to sponsor any GP, done. Cut the check. Send me the banners. Send me the tents. Marlboro everywhere. I don't care. If Pablo Escobar was still alive and he wanted to sponsor a team, I go, you bring everybody down. Done. Everybody. Done. Yes. Get them all. Yeah. Done. Let's put on a show. Uh, he, he, could, he could finance the entire season by himself. I mean, the drawback is you gotta let him let his son win. But still, I mean, that's if you can fine. get a podium, that's hey, fine. that's fine. It'll get done. Second, It'll get done. We may have to do some transporting for him too in between, but you know, it is. It is. <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> open up, open up the Canadian market. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this was a nice kid-friendly podcast, wasn't it? What's yeah, it, right? what's it was not, good. What's up, my daddy? Nothing, son. Go to bed. Go to bed, son. Go to bed. But no, it's the truth, man. I, 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 I want it to grow, and I think... It's just it sucks that the little things like that that you like you know they want to put money in but no we can't because you know we, we, we morals even Florida on its own being so big is a bad thing. I have an entire market, the South Florida market, that won't drive the four hours it takes them to drive to get to the racetrack. So there's an entire market in Florida I can't even touch because I don't have a racetrack there. So. From Key West, Homestead, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach, Daytona, none of those people come out because it's a four-hour drive to get to Anderson, or it's a four-hour drive to get to Bushnell, and they won't do it. Four hours is nothing. I mean, honestly. But people won't do it. Because people are they lazy. They're la- yeah. I, this technology has made everybody lazy, and that's yeah. why we're lazy and fat, and it's just it pisses me off. Yeah. But yeah. speaking of that, and this is, this is a weird transition, but I love the fact that you know how you have to be in shape to race, and you have a, a deal with a bicycle shop that I do. you can rent bicycles and, and get in shape so you get on the motorcycles. Uh, real yeah. quick, tell us about that. So the bike shop, Eddie Cassiola, mm-hmm. uh, came out – Three years ago now? Three years ago. And he was a really quiet dude. Military guy. I believe he's a Marine. Military guy. And he was very quiet, very to himself. He would show up at the table, register, shake my hand, say hello every morning, come out and do his thing. Had no idea what Eddie did. No clue. And then Eddie spent that whole year racing with us, getting to know the whole paddock. You would see him walking around and talking to people and, and mingling, which is what we like to see in the paddock. And next thing you know, at the end of that first year after racing, he goes, Mike, you know, I'm I'm a veteran. I own the bike shop. I'm in Sar- Sarasota, Florida, and I want to do something for your organization. I love what you do with the kids. I want to do something for the organization. So one of the big brands that he sells is the SE bikes, which are the social media bikes that everybody doing wheelies and stuff on. Yeah. So he built a custom SE bike and anyone that registered throughout that year, anyone that registered for an event got entered in that raffle. And he delivered that brand new bike right for that kid. Uh, Isaac Woodwork is the one that that 
that said it. So during that time, during that year, Julian was starting to up his his whole game and his workout and stuff. So I had posted on Facebook if anyone had, because everybody down here in Florida has a bike, but we needed a specific one for his training. We needed a specific road bike in his size for him to train. So I had put a post out and Eddie reached out and said, Mike, I got you. I've got the bike sitting here in my shop. I've had it for, you know, X so many years, never been used. I'm bringing it. He decked it out, put Julian's names, logos, everything on it. And on the last event last year, I handed Julian a brand new sponsored road race bike that Julian has now outgrown. I have given the bike back to Eddie. He's servicing it. And we're going to introduce it to another racer at the end of this season. So that way that racer can go out and get his training done. I wonder who yep. that racer is going to be. Who's that? Oh, racer? I don't know yet, but somebody's <laughs> going to be pleasantly surprised at the end of the season. And Eddie's been a massive, massive influence. Um, Eddie has also been trying. He's done a lot for the veterans, a lot of um, nonprofit organizations. So he's been working a lot in the background, trying to figure out how we can get a nonprofit organization going for road racing and for kids and whatnot. So that way, it's easier for companies to provide funding and do sponsorships and be able to write it off as a nonprofit. So I've, I've touched a lot of doors. I've knocked on a lot of doors. I've been hitting all the right buttons. It just, I haven't had one to finally go, yeah, we're in, let's get it done. I just, we haven't been fortunate enough to hit that, but I'm, I'm extremely positive. Mini GP isn't going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. We have an absolute blast. And I know one after knocking on so many doors, one, two, three, four, five of these doors are going to open up and it's just going to make it that much easier to influx and and get the sport and not only the sport, but changing the mentality of what motorcycling is. That's the key, honestly. Yes. Change the mentality. And it's, it's harder that it's easier said than done, but yeah. Hey man, you can do it. I mean, like I said, you're not going to enough doors. One's going to open and it's going to be the right door. And I'm with you hundred percent, man. I, like I said in the beginning, I love what you're doing. And I, I really think it. you're one of the top five people in America. That's going to, put American road racing back to where it should be. And I really mean that. I think what you're doing is not to be understated, man. Hats off to you. I'll give you your flowers right now, brother. I mean that. <laughs> Thank you, dude. I appreciate it. I mean, uh, even this year, we had another family. They've got two young kids, uh, Carrie and Tim Amico. Car uh, Tim used to race in New Jersey Mini GP. He came down with his family, moved down to Florida. And he's gone out. He's invested in a printing press. He's creating swag. He's creating gear for us to sell. And he's helping us build a scholarship fund. So now we have an SFL mini GP scholarship fund that we're going to cap off at $5,000 so that next year we can hand that cash to the next Motor America racer, the next racer going out abroad, the next racer going to do something national. And that way he can cover his tire bill or his travel bill or leathers or whatever he needs. He's got 5,000 bucks coming to him from mini GP that we've collected from sales and people that want to put money into the bucket. So we're, we're building all the right things we need to build. We're starting to put all the things in place to keep the momentum moving forward. Cause it can't just, you know, be relying on the 40 or 50 people that show up to the races to go out and have fun. We, we really need to reach out and get a bunch of people involved. And like you said, you never know if the dentist you're going to is a motorcycle enthusiast. You never know if your if your neighbor next door is an enthusiast. You have no idea who the enthusiasts are because until you start talking, that's when they light up and they want to talk about it. But if you don't mention it, 
and the conversation goes dead without even starting. Isn't that the truth? I mean, I don't know how people that I've like, you know, they're talking like, yeah, whatever. And they mention motorcycles, I go, what? And yeah. and that's when it starts. That spark starts. And yeah. if it, and if it's a woman and she rides, you go, hello. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's yeah. and that's love right there. That's but love. that mentality is the same thing, right? Because you're like, man, I really love motorcycles. But if I mention the word motorcycle and that person next to me is against it, now I've just turned the room dark. So that also holds you back from having that conversation because you really don't know who's into it. It's not as a parent. It's not as as right there in your face like it is when you go outside of the country. When you go outside of the country, everybody loves freaking motorcycles. Yeah. There's very few. Here, you might be 50-50. You might be 60-40 yeah. with people that like them versus people that don't like them. And most people have had bad situations with motorcycles versus good situations. Just like you said, all it takes is that one guy to cut them off on a motorcycle and go wheeling down the highway. And that's it. Their whole perspective on motorcycles is gone before it even started. Yeah. It's amazing how somebody can wheelie down an express ramp doing with flip-flops doing 50 miles an hour. Okay. Yeah. He's an idiot. But at the same time, no one mentions that the Mustang revving at the, at the stoplight or the, or the guys racing going out of traffic. No one mentions right. that shit. You right. know, right. But they hey. make movies out of street racing, but God forbid the guy goes down the ramp on a one wheel. Yeah, Fast and Furious. They're robbing banks. I mean, they're, they're, they're a crime family. They're basically like the mafia on wheels, right? They're, that's what they are. Yeah. Because, yeah. because it's all about family. It's all about family. It, it's bad that Amazon, even having Amazon Prime billionaire market, couldn't get the MotoGP show to do more than one season. Man, don't even, that's a whole other. Oh, that's what I'm saying, yeah. right? That, that's what we're fighting against. That's what we're fighting against. Yeah. It, oh, man. Yeah, that sucked. It really, I mean. Mark Marquez had a fantastic documentary. Yes. yes. Has anybody else been able to do one? Why can't they get Rossi, Pedrosa, any one of the American racers, Colin, all of them to do a documentary? Well, well the thing about it is, though, a lot of those guys, it's almost like the old joke by Mitch Hedberg. It's like, like. All they want to do is write jokes. And they go, hey, can you act? He goes, yeah, but I just wanted to write jokes and tell jokes. Yeah. So it's like, it's like we're working at McDonald's, you know? All they want to do is be on the fries. And they go, hey, you want to be a manager? No, not really. And they put you as being a manager. So some of those guys, they don't have the personality. And over here in the United States, and you mentioned it earlier, I didn't jump on it, but man, Brandon Posh is a gold mine. You get Posh and you get Heron. Posh and, Posh and Heron together, if those two had a little, maybe a little bit of beef, that'd be great for American racing because they have Look great. Look what it did for the Daytona 200 this year. Yes. Look what it did. Look what it did. They have the greatest, I mean, especially Posh, man, that dude is, he's a gold mine. He is fly. And he's also mini GP. FYI, mini GP alumni. And he taught me about who <laughs> little baby was. I didn't know who little baby was. He, he, he stayed with me in Valencia and we listened to his music on the way to the track. And I go, who's this? And he goes, this little baby. I go, okay. I didn't know anybody. He taught me. He taught me rap music. It should have been the other way around, but he taught me rap music. And I was yeah, opening Brandon, up. Yeah. Brandon is doing everything that he can to help turn around this whole motorcycling thing. Cause like every other racer, he needs to find funding. He needs to find money. And the only way you're going to do that is by branching out. I mean, he's at NASCAR races. He's putting a clothing line together, a proper clothing line together. He's all over the place. He's at talent shows. He's at, I mean, you name it. Brandon is putting in the mileage to get himself out there and get the help he needs. And I mean, this year already him racing Superbike, he's done a fantastic job. Give him another season, man, and he is a contender. I believe that deep down. Why that he, boy's a talent. Why he isn't sponsored by Red Bull or Monster or any of these energy drinks, I have no idea. He's a walking yep. gold mine, man. Yep. Just yep. like and you. And he's got the attention. He's got the attention. He's got the reach. 
he's got the popularity, man. It's just, yeah. I, I don't understand it. I, I wish I knew what it was and, and I would gladly give that key to as many people as I can, but I, I haven't been able to figure it out myself. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I really don't. We're up against it, but man, what you're doing, Michael, I mean that man, keep it up. You, my man, are going to get American Road Racing back to the top, and I said it here first. Okay, I appreciate it, dude. I appreciate it. I've got to get out of here. Is there anything else you want to say to anybody or like where it can be reached or whatever, blah, blah, blah? Anything you want to put yeah, out there? You can reach us on a couple different avenues on Instagram at SFL Mini GP, Facebook, SFL Mini GP, and our website, www.sflminigp.com. I'm easily accessible through all those channels as well. Send me a message, whatever questions you got. I'm available. I'm always easy to reach. Again, we take away all the excuses. We've got bikes, we've got gear, we've got coaching. All you got to do is register and sign up. We will be there. Going to have a blast. Always going to have fun. The memories you're going to create are amazing, and you're going to try a new sport. You just said it best. Mini GP, no excuses. You put that in parentheses, no excuses, because it's the truth. There's no excuses. He's got the gear. He's got everything you need to have a good time, and it's affordable, and it's for the family. Michael. Carrera, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you. I really, nah, I knew, I knew you, it was going to be fun. Awesome. I knew it was going to be fun, but it was even funner because I mean, it, you know, I mean, I, I don't need an education. I mean, motorcycles are more, are more important. Or, or, or. I so, love it. Yeah, so yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. You got it, man. Stay safe out there. Have fun. Uh, hey, folks, look him up. SouthFloridaMiniGP.com. I'm BT saying thank you for so much for listening. And you know the word about this time. Peace.